Hello, and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 44. Thanks for listening. How's your fall, guys? We're deep into November now, Thanksgiving is on the way, I can almost smell the turkey, mashed potatoes, no sweet potatoes though, sweet potatoes, as all right-thinking people know, are icky. Later in the show, I'll tell you where you can send your hate mail for all you sweet potato fans out there. Life is good here. The election is over, regardless of whatever you think about it. It's done. We don't have to think about politics until, like, an hour from now. Because it seems like politics never really ends. So I'm sure the 2020 presidential candidates will be declaring their intention to run before the night is over. But there's always video games to keep our minds off of things. So let's get to it. In news this week, I don't really have any news. I kind of poked around the internet a little bit to see if there's anything new about the Atari movies. Nothing that I could find. Of course, that's not really anything new with movie developments. Uh, They've tried to get other video game movies off the ground in the past, and nothing was really heard for a while. Doesn't necessarily mean nothing's going to happen, but it takes a very long time before there's really any news to announce. I, of course, haven't gotten the call to write one of the screenplays, even though I am a writer, and I host a video game story-based podcast. So, you know... Atari folks, I'm just waiting for the call. In other news, there is no other news. So let's get right to this week's game. Funny story about that. If you listen to these episodes in order and you're not a brand new listener to the show starting with this episode, you know that at the end of episode 43, Raiders of the Lost Ark, a fine episode about an uh, okay game, but with excellent source material. So if you're a Raiders fan, check out that episode. But at the end... When I announced what next week's game would be, next week being this week, I said we were going to look at Codebreaker. So here's the thing with that. I don't really know anything about Codebreaker. I picked it up in a bundle of games that I got from somebody, and it was on my list, and I thought, yeah, I think I will play this now. Not really realizing at the time that you need a keypad to play it. And there's two issues with that. One, I don't have a keypad for my Atari. And secondly, until I saw that in the instruction manual, I didn't even know there was such a thing. So, I don't have a keypad to play Codebreaker, so we're not playing Codebreaker this week. But, don't worry. All you diehard Codebreaker groupies who built your whole week around this episode coming out, so you could hear my analysis of Codebreaker. Fear not. Put your, uh, your your keypads away. You can wash and iron your iHeart Codebreaker t-shirts. And save them for another day because I promise I will get Codebreaker back into the uh, production schedule for a later episode. So instead, we're going to play Air Sea Battle, a 1977 Atari game. And it's not just a 1977 Atari game. It is one of the original nine launch titles for the Atari when it was released, when the system was released in September of 77. The game came out, I believe, in October of 77. It was also released by Sears as Target Fun and was the packing game with the original Sears Telegames version of the Atari 2600. I don't think I had an original Sears Telegames. I did have a Sears Telegames at one point, but I don't think it was one of the original. I don't think Air, Air Sea Battle was one of them I had as a kid. And this is one I just picked up along the way, like I said, more recently. The game was reviewed by Video Magazine in its Arcade Alley column 
and praised as the ultimate game for people who enjoy blowing things up. Torpedo variant number 11 was noted in particular as the best game on the cartridge, with addiction to this one being common. There was some criticism, including the computer couldn't really handle the guided missile control in solo play, and the review thought that playing the normally two-player torpedo variant number 11 as a solo game, if the player wished to experience a solitaire guided missile game, would be a good idea. Uh, I had that thought when I was messing around with the game tonight of playing with one of the two-player games but using both controllers. The game frankly doesn't move that fast and I don't think it would be all that hard to do and it would add an extra little level of challenge. So that's my recommendation to you when you play this game, that you play one of the two-player games but just use both controllers yourself. Airsea Battle appears on the Atari Anthology Collection for Xbox and PlayStation 2 and the Atari Flashback dedicated console. The game was also re-released to Microsoft's Game Room download service for the Xbox 360 and Windows-based PCs in March of 2010. Air Sea Battle consists of, I'm guessing, 482 games. Actually, I can tell you the exact number here. 27 games. They're basically broken down into types of games. You're using the joystick controllers, as I said. It's a little confusing because in the one-player games, you use the right controller, not the left controller. You are therefore firing the right side of the, the, the aircraft, uh, anti-aircraft gun on the right side of the screen. The computer controls the other one. Controller action varies depending on the game being played. Details for joystick controller action can be found under, under each game heading. In all cases, Hold the controller with the red button to your upper left toward the television screen. I'm going to get, I don't know, Beyonce or somebody to sing that little instruction and just drop it in every episode because it appears every time in this manual. Scoring. All games end after 2 minutes 16 seconds of play or when either player scores 99 points. Two things about that. One, what's significant about 2 minutes 16 seconds? There's got to be some sort of hidden symbolism there. If anybody knows the story of that, let me know. The other thing is, I don't know how the hell you'd score 99 points in that 2 minutes and 16 seconds. Because if left to your own devices, meaning the device in your hand, the controller, you could press the button enough times to hit enough aircraft and score those points. But the missiles move so flippin' slow that it doesn't matter how many times you push the button. Your missiles don't get to the aircraft fast enough to rack up 99 points, in my opinion. If any of you have done it, contact me and I can call you a liar because it's impossible as far as I can tell. The difficulty switches on your Atari video computer system console control the size of the missile. In position A the missile is one-fourth the size of position B. Um, as I said there are 27 games uh, broken down into diff three different categories. There are anti-aircraft games in which your joystick controller changes the angle of your anti-aircraft gun and also the angle of the missile flight in guided missile games. In the anti-aircraft games, from one to six flying objects will move together across the playfield in a set. All objects in the set must be hit before a new set will appear. Each object scores one point. That's basically the first three games. And then there's another set of anti-aircraft games, the three of them, in which there's an extra challenge to your marksmanship. There are various flying objects on the playfield traveling in different speeds and directions. Each object has a different score value. Small jets are 4 points, large jets are 3 points, helicopter 2 points, a 747 1 point. The observation blimps flying randomly across the bottom of the playfield score no points and act as an obstruction to your line of fire. I played, uh, spoiler, I played game 6 
which is one of these anti-aircraft games with the various flying objects and so forth, the randomly flying blimps are not all that random. There's basically two blimps moving across the lower part of the screen right above your gun pretty much the whole game. You shoot one, another one appears. Another subcategory of the air-sea battle games are the torpedo games. Controller action. You are a submarine captain firing torpedoes at ships moving above you. By pushing your joystick controller to the left, you move your submarine to the left. Moving it to the right moves your submarine to the right. You control half the playfield. Your opponent controls the other half. From one to six ships move across the playfield in a set. When one set disappears from the playfield, a new set appears. Each ship scores one point. There are three like that. Um, there's another group of torpedo games in which mines travel randomly across the bottom of the playfield and act as obstructions to your line of fire. The ships move at different speeds and directions. Each ship has a different point value. PT boat, four points. Aircraft carrier, three points. Pirate ship, two points. Freighter, one point. Hitting the mines will score no points. There are also Polaris games in which you captain a ship traveling across the bottom of the playfield. The bottommost ship is the right player. The ships will change directions occasionally. From one to four planes fly over in a set. All planes in a set must be hit before new planes are displayed. Each plane has one different point value. Small jet, four points. Large jet, three points. Helicopter, two points. 747, one point. Bomber games have you as the pilot of a plane flying across the top of the playfield. The right player controls the bottommost plane. The planes will occasionally change direction from right to left. From one to four ships will pass under the planes. As a ship is hit, a new ship will replace it from the edge of the playfield. Ships travel at various speed and each a different point value. PT boat, four points. Aircraft carrier, three points. Pirate ship, two points. Freighter, one point. Another category are the Polaris versus Bomber games. The left player flies the plane across the top of the playfield and the right player controls the ship at the bottom of the playfield. The plane drops bombs on the ship while the ship shoots missiles at the plane. One point is scored for each hit. The ship or plane getting hit will disappear from the playfield and reappear at the edge. Both plane and ship will change direction occasionally. Then there's another set of Polaris versus Bomber games in which traveling randomly across the middle of the playfield are mines. In order to hit your opponent you have to get around the mines which act as obstructions to your line of fire. The mines score no points when hit. Oh, I forgot to uh, mention the shooting gallery games, which is pretty much what it sounds like. Push the joystick forward and backwards to change the angle of the gun on screen. Push the joystick left or right to move your gun across the screen. Press the red button to fire. Yeah, and there's 27 different games, and each, you know, three to six games in each category, and each game has slightly different specs for what you can do there. I won't read all those. You can play around with that as you see fit when you check out this game. Speaking of checking out the game, I think after the break, we'll do just that. be true that a red sky at night is sailor's delight. Red sky at morning is sailor's take warning. That's all well and fine. But as I look out before me, I see purple airplanes and orange helicopters, blue, red, all sorts of unholy, unnatural colors of aircraft. It's the Skittles army, soldier. Look alive. They might taste the rainbow but now they'll taste our lead. Tonight's episode brought to you by Skittles, bite-sized candies, which I think might be someone else's logo. 
I probably said this already in the main part of the episode, but tonight I'm playing game six of Air Sea Battle. Me versus the computer. Um, very basic design here. Reminiscent of the 1970s Atari games like Combat. Good combat vibe here. Some of the aircraft pretty much looks like it was lifted from combat. Especially the helicopters. I wonder if there's anything in the Geneva Convention about blowing up all these blimps. It's a little frustrating that every time you push the button it doesn't necessarily fire a missile. There's a little bit of a lag, so it makes aiming a little bit more difficult. Also, it's counterintuitive. To get your gun to point straight up and down, you have to pull down on the joystick. There goes another blimp. Sorry! Oh, I've only got a few seconds left of my 2 minutes, 16 seconds. No, the computer's gonna beat me. Thomas getting tired. Part of that frustrating lag. Yes. Just a few more points. And I can take the lead. No, don't start flashing. I can't let the machine win. The fate of societies, we know it. This is more than an air sea battle. This is a fight for survival against technology. No, oh, the computer won. Won't be long before that nightmare Terminator scenario that Arnold Schwarzenegger predicted comes true. Until then, back to you in the studio. Atari's new video game is more fun to play. Atari's new Indy 500 is more fun because it's so action packed. <laughs> Atari's new air sea battle is more fun because it's just like the real thing. Only that. From Ultra Pong to a new programmable video computer system, Atari's got more original games, and that's more fun for you. Remember the live-action movie adaptation of the game Battleship? The one with Liam Neeson? Yeah, me neither. This game is kind of like that. In fairness, as I mentioned, the game came out in 77, one of the original nine, when Atari was still trying to figure out what they were doing, and I'm sure, at the time, it was, like, mind-blowing to have this game on your TV screen. But, yeah, it's pretty basic stuff. The weird, not-found-in-nature colors, the basic graphics, I mentioned the frustrating fire pattern, you know, ratio of missiles actually fired to times you hit the button on your controller, all of that. You know, the sound effects there, of course, are really basic. The things on the screen are only the things on the screen because you're told that's what they are. Uh, so we're sort of back to those days when you have to go on faith, meaning what the manual tells you you're looking at on the screen because you wouldn't know it if they just put the screen up there. The sky is a weird blue. It's like it's like the sky is terraformed. It has like levels of blue. It's kind of weird. But having said that, 
it's also one of those kind of games where if you have an opponent to play against other than the computer, it's kind of fun to uh, have that little sort of uncomplicated but still challenging little rivalry with a buddy. So I can certainly see that. Combat sort of has that going for it too. Very simplistic graphics, nothing necessarily great about the game, but if you have someone to play against, it'd be kind of fun. So. I'm not trashing Air Sea Battle because I do see some value in playing it. Basically, it's a game that I would like to play for the challenge, not necessarily a game that I would like to live within its universe. Speaking of that, what exactly is the universe that we're working in in this game? Well, I think, you know, they're calling it an Air Sea Battle, but I think it's pretty obvious what's going on here. You know, a lot of people think Billy and I argue all the time. Actually, we agree on just about everything, right, Bill? Yeah, you betcha, George. We even drink the same beer. Light beer from Miller. Light's got a third less calories than the regular beer, and it's less filling. And the best thing is, it tastes so great. No, George, the best thing is less filling. No, Bill, it tastes great. Less filling, George. Billy, it tastes great. Less filling, George. Billy? Yeah, George. You're hired. Not again. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer, and less. Did I say hired? So, what we have here is the ultimate war story. It's not about ideology. It's not about land ownership. It's not about power, really. It's about one of the most important things of all, beer. There are five parts to the story, as there always is. We start with the introduction, setup for the story. There's a war brewing. A war brewing over, well brew. Diet food is honestly pretty boring. So the taste great camp at Miller Lite is pounding the less filling camp. Stuff that tastes good tastes good. I don't care if it's less calories. This is bad for the cause of peaceful coexistence of course but it's great for business. Alright so that's the setup. This epic historic battle between why we love Miller Lite. So what's the action here. What's what's going to happen in this uh, in this story? The two sides in the beer debate are starting to see things from the other side's point of view. They've been considering and weighing all the options, exploring things, exploring their own feelings and what's going on in the world, and realizing that maybe something could taste good and be less filling. They're compromising. This is America. We can't have that. It's okay though. Miller Lite has an arsenal of fake weapons to arm both sides in this fake argument. By the way, we here at Atari Bites would like to welcome our new sponsor, Miller Lite. The best light beer with the most generic name ever that isn't Smith. Okay, so we were in danger of having this war end with people realizing that they could just enjoy a beer and not worry about why they enjoy it. Miller Lite can't have that. So they have waged a counter war? Whatever. So we hit the climax. Calorie carpet bombs drop from digital planes. Skunky beer subs patrol the coastline and return fire. Liam Neeson begs to appear in the movie adaptation of this property too. He's already got Battleship and that other littler thing, that Star Wars thing. Shotgunning a beer was never like this before. Tastes great. Less filling. Once more into the breach, men. Toss him back. Show no mercy. Belch like your mother's taught you falling action. When the battle ends, for now, everyone is left sticky and dizzy. Typical Friday at the bar where these fights really happen. 
And everyone pretty much still feels the way they always did. Some people like the beer because it's less filling. Some people like it because it tastes great. So, as we resolve this story, sail on into the denouement, we're reminded how America has managed to overcome all of its disagreements, leaving only this one. Politics and science and economics have all been dealt with maturely and with consideration for all the humans, leaving only this one disagreement. Well, you go ahead and enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite America, because you're certainly not enjoying the virtues of an open mind or considering alternate viewpoints and perspectives, but you do you, America. And maybe someday, someday, this one last great battle will be resolved, and we can go back to hating each other like we always have. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs Take a Chance, Reformat, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes show notes and episodes at atarybytes.lipson.com. The show is on a variety of podcatchers including Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Please do come by air or by sea and leave a review on iTunes. No battle. Not going to fight over it. Just would like your help to help other people find the show. You can email us at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Go ahead. Tell me why I'm stupid to not like sweet potatoes. Tell me why Miller Lite is so great. Tell me why Miller Lite is so awful. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. Those are the ways you can contact me. You can also support the show financially on the Atari Bytes Patreon page and by shopping for Atari Bytes stuff at Zazzle.com. And don't forget, you can find new episodes of my other show, It's Podcast Charlie Brown, on the 15th of every month. Also, don't forget, holiday season is upon us, and if you're in the mood for a somewhat offbeat premise for an adult-oriented Santa Claus story, because I thought it was about time there was one for us, check out my novel, In the Saint Nick of Time, at Amazon or wherever you like to get your books. Thank you in advance. Next time on Atari Bytes, and I really mean it this time, Towering Inferno. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.